This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey, it's Dr. Jimmy. Thanks for tuning in today. And if you haven't told a friend about this podcast yet, I'm a little bit curious what you're waiting on. Uh, In all honesty, you guys must be letting people know because our audience base is growing by leaps and bounds. Um, You know, so one way that you guys can help spread some awareness of this podcast is to leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast app that you happen to be using. So if you feel like this podcast has provided even a small amount of benefit to you, please share the love and leave us a review. All right, let's get into today's episode. I thought it was probably about time that we did another case study. Now, full disclosure on this particular case, um, it is brand new. So I can't say that I have definitive answers for this horse owner, um, but we have a really good start. And I wanted to share with you kind of the way that I went about um, evaluating the situation and then some of the first steps that um, I recommended that this particular owner take for this horse. So I'm going to start out by providing you all with just a little bit of background on this horse. Um, She's a four-year-old quarter horse mare. Um, She lives in the Northeast, and she has been diagnosed with Lyme disease. And the chief complaint for this mare is that she's running out of gas or becoming fatigued too soon in the workout period. So when someone comes um, to our team for a nutrition consult, you know, we typically start off by essentially bombarding them with a list of questions that, you know, we need answers to. So if we're in a situation where, you know, we happen to have boots on the ground and we can see your horse in person, there's a lot of um, information, you know, that we can, a lot of the details can be gathered, you know, on our own by ourselves. But when we're doing a virtual nutrition consult, we really have to rely on you as the horse owner to provide, you know, photos of the horse um, and then a really detailed description of, you know, what you're doing with your horse, you know, what are you feeding, how much are you feeding, Um, as far as grain goes, uh, what supplements are you using? Um, we look at the forage components. So, you know, are you, um, is the horse on pasture or being fed hay? And if it's hay, you know, is it, um, grass hay? Is it alfalfa hay? Um, you know, just all of these different components are going to play a role, um, in the kind of recommendation that we're going to make for your horse. And, You know, another thing that's really important too is that, you know, you as a horse owner understand feeding amounts in weight, not volume. Okay. So when one person says they feed one scoop and another person says they feed two scoops, um, that pretty much tells me absolutely nothing. Okay. So think about it this way. The first person that said they use that they feed one scoop might be using, you know, say one of those larger three quart square plastic horse feed scoops that are in 99% of feed stores. Well, the second person that said that they were feeding two scoops a day might actually be using like an eight ounce cup from their kitchen cabinet. Okay. So both are feeding by the scoop, right? But the weight of that scoop is going to be radically different. Okay. 
Another thing to consider is the density of the feed. Um, the amount of feed that a three-quart square plastic horse feed scoop will hold um, can actually range anywhere from two pounds to four and a half pounds, um, depending on what kind of grain you are actually feeding, okay? So think of it this way. Um, let's take an extruded feed, for example. Um, Extrusion basically means that um, the feed was pushed through um, and, and essentially pelleted under extreme pressure and extreme heat and steam, okay? And so that produces a really fluffy, light product. Um, think of dog food, okay? So dog food kibbles are extruded. Um, you know, they're, they're really, they're big and they're light, okay? So a full scoop of that might only weigh two pounds. Now, on the other hand, that exact same scoop could actually, if you were filling it with, you know, a nutrient-dense, um, oil-coated pelleted feed, that same scoop might hold four and a half pounds of that feed, okay? So that's why it's so important to weigh your feed and then to be able to communicate how much you are feeding in pounds per day and not scoops per day, okay? So, all right, that was just a little bit of a rabbit trail. <laughs> I will get back to uh, the other questions that we need to ask, okay? So, so after we understand the feeding program, um, we will typically move on to more management type questions, okay? So things like, you know, how often is the horse ridden? What kind of living environment are they in? Okay, are they, you know, what part of the country? Are they in the Northeast? Are they in the Southwest? You know, are they in hot climates, cold climates? Um, are they stalled? Are they turned out? Is there a mix? Um, you know, the the turnout area that they have or the pasture that they're in, um, is it full of grass or is it really um, sandy or, you know, eaten down? Um, these are all things that are important. Um, we also like to know, you know, the, the, the horse's deworming protocols. Um, I typically will ask for the date of the last dental exam or the last uh, float that the horse received. Um, and then, of course, you know, the the horse's age and their activity level is really important as well. Okay, so, you know, when you're talking about age and dentition or the, you know, the dental exam, um, does the horse, you know, have any missing teeth? Uh, does the horse have a full set of teeth? Um, again, these are all things that are going to play a role. So after we get kind of that basic information, then we move into what we call the chief complaints or the concern issues that are affecting the horse. So all of this, you know, I mean, again, all of this goes into understanding a horse's nutritional needs. Um, you know, I, I sometimes get a little bit um, frustrated or annoyed, maybe is a better word, when I am reading forums um, online or on social media and you know someone will post something and they'll give just like this tiny little bit of information on their horse and then 681 people will write a response telling that person you know what they need to be feeding that horse or what they need to be supplementing that horse and you know they give them all kinds of advice when those people giving that advice do, they don't have even a fraction of the information um, that they need to know about that horse and able in order to give you know the best recommendations. So there's there's a lot more to making a recommendation than just blurting out the flavor of the month supplement or feed. Um, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So all right, back to our case. So um, he, I I learned that this mare um, 
so her, you know, when I asked about her activity, how much she's getting ridden, I learned that she is uh, used for barrel racing at WPRA shows. And when I asked about, you know, some of the chief complaints, um, one thing that the owner brought up was her concern about tryptophan levels and whether or not her horse would test hot uh, for tryptophan if she fed Intensify X Factor low starch. Okay, so my answer was no. Uh, tryptophan is an essential amino acid. Okay, it's naturally occurring in um, many feed ingredients. Uh, many, you know, it's it's just a naturally occurring component. And tryptophan actually must be consumed by the horse in order to stay healthy. Okay, so it's it's something that the horse biologically needs to have in their diet. And when tryptophan is included in the diet at normal dietary levels, um, there's absolutely no risk of it producing, you know, a hot drug test. I mean, in order to get to levels that would actually throw a red flag, um, I mean, a person would have to be supplementing with a very large amount of tryptophan um, through, you know, a straight supplement or, you know, I mean, they they would somehow have to be purposely pushing a lot of tryptophan into that horse that would be outside of what that horse's normal dietary requirements would be. So, um, you know, that one was a pretty simple answer for her. You know, no, there's nothing that you need to be worried about as far as um, drug testing if you're going to be feeding. Well, in all honesty, if you're going to be feeding any of the feeds from Blue Bonnet Feeds or from Stride Animal Health, um, both of those brands, you know, the drug testing is something that is really important. And, you know, there's nothing in any of those feeds that would test hot in any kind of drug test for any association, um, no matter what you're competing in. So, um, I mean, unless, you know, someone's listening to this podcast, you know, years down the road, and there's been some major change in a rule, I, I mean, I'm disclaimer there, but to date, um, there's nothing that um, you need to be worried about. And it's definitely something that um, we take into consideration. So, you know, if we do notice in the future <laughs> that there is something that comes up that, you know, is not allowed in a particular association, uh, we would certainly address that with those feeds and those supplements. But right now, nothing to worry about. So the next concern then um, was that the, the horse had been diagnosed with Lyme disease. Okay. So Lyme disease is somewhat rare, um, you know, in the overall horse population. Um, and the, the problem with it is that the symptoms of Lyme disease are really similar to many other conditions, which makes it really difficult for a veterinarian to actually diagnose. Um, so they, the veterinarian kind of has to put on their detective hat. And, you know, so they're going to use clues that you as a horse owner give them. So if you've seen or pulled a tick or two off of your horse recently or in the last few months, that's something you should definitely let your veterinarian know. Um, if that horse lives in an environment that has a large population of ticks, again, that's something your veterinarian needs to know. Or if maybe that horse doesn't live in, the in, a, in a heavily tick populated location, but maybe you transport to one or you go to one often, um, definitely let your veterinarian know about that. You know, because uh, Lyme disease can actually, you know, it, it can produce... Um, a lot of different symptoms that, you know, are the same as other diseases. So, you know, for instance, I mean, it, it, it can, you know, arthritis, okay? So arthritis is, is really common, um, you know, of, of Lyme disease patients. Well, 
arthritis is going to produce, you know, pain and swelling and, you know, and, and it's, it may make the horse stiff and uncomfortable. Well, there's a lot of other things that, you know, a veterinarian will go to first <laughs> when a horse is presenting as if they have arthritis, then they will go to Lyme disease. Okay. Um, you know, other things that, uh, horses with Lyme disease, you know, it can cause nervous system issues. Okay. So it can cause numbness. It can cause pain. Um, it can cause facial paralysis. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that it can have. And, those things, when you look at them individually, you know, Lyme disease is not going to be again at the top of the list of what you, your veterinarian is probably going to be looking for um, when they're trying to address those things. So they really have to um, rely on your history, your reporting, and then the, the, basically they have to rule out all the other stuff. And then essentially they kind of get to the bottom of the list and say, look, none of this other stuff lines up. Maybe we need to consider Lyme disease. And then at that point, um, they actually would um, have the ability to send off and and do a, a test. So the actually the Animal Health Diagnostic Center at Cornell University uh, has developed what is called the equine Lyme multiplex assay, and basically um, that assay can be used to detect all three uh, Lyme disease antibodies in equine serum or in horse serum. So it's pretty cool because that assay can actually distinguish um, between early and chronic stages of infection. And then it can also actually detect antibodies really quickly. So um, I think it's as early as maybe three weeks after infection, they can actually uh, detect those antibodies. So that would kind of, that would be one tool. And again, there, you know, there are um, other tests out there that just happen to be um, one that I was looking up and, and reading about and appears to be um, I, I guess it at least appears to be the the best option out there right now, as far as being able to truly kind of definitively diagnose limes. So, you know, horses that um, once a horse has been diagnosed with Lyme disease, they uh, the veterinarian will typically put them on a regimen of of very specific antibiotics. Okay, and one thing that many people forget when using antibiotics is how damaging they can be to the beneficial bacteria that live within a horse's gut. Okay, so it's important to provide a, a probiotic support to these horses in order to help them recover. Um, you know, some probiotics are certainly more effective than others when it comes to, you know, reestablishing those healthy populations of, of microflora. Um, I typically lean on the lactic yeast Cleveromyces marxianus, uh, especially during antibiotic treatment, because that particular strain is not susceptible to most antibiotics that are actually used in horses. And then I also really like to use um, kind of what I call megadoses of lactobacillus acidophilus, and then also enterococcus facium. So if anyone's interested, um, you can find all of those strains in the Intensify line of horse feeds by Blue Bonnet Feeds. And then you can also find those strains in two different supplements, um, Transform and ADR, both from Stride Animal Health. Now, another thing to note, uh, Lyme disease it, it really burdens the body with kind of this chronic systemic inflammation, okay? So this situation causes the immune system to basically be in this constant state of work and high alert, okay? So that puts this horse at a high risk for 
autoimmune conditions, you know, development of early arthritis, overall body soreness, and then not to mention, um, you know, one of the things with with lines is that people or horses will are more likely to become fatigued sooner than normal. Okay, so that kind of that brings us then to the second concern for this horse, which is early fatigue. Okay, the owner um, specifically stated that, you know, the mare just has no gas during the middle of a workout. Okay, she just, she gets very tired and she just has nothing left. Um, you know, she, they, they basically described it as, you know, she's just giving up completely. Like they could be mid-lope in a circle and it's like she just comes to a walk and has absolutely nothing left to give. You know, she doesn't refuse or she doesn't throw a fit or anything like that. She just acts like there's nothing left in her to continue at a trot or a lope or at that higher rate of speed. Okay, so, you know, this provides some really valuable information. Um, we know that early fatigue is a symptom of Lyme. So a lot of people, you know, might just write that off and say, well, you know, it's the Lyme disease. That's what's causing this. But... Um, my ears kind of perked up a little bit when I heard her say the words, you know, that this mare just com gives up completely. She doesn't throw a fit or anything, but she just stops and she cannot continue at that faster rate of speed. So given that this is a running horse, okay, if you remember back, this is a barrel horse. So she's essentially a race horse. Okay. And knowing that she is dealing with chronic systemic inflammation, okay, from the Lyme disease, my mind uh, actually jumped to the thought of, you know, maybe this horse is dealing with exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage, or EIPH, okay, which is more commonly known as being a bleeder, okay. So racehorses, whether they're on the track or whether they're running a barrel pattern, um, those, those running bred horses are predisposed to bleeding, or basically what happens is, is it's, it's a rupture of the thin membrane um, that's deep within the lungs, okay? And that membrane is supposed to serve as what is called the blood gas barrier, okay? Now, I feel like I've heard that the statistic um, is somewhere between 45 to 65% of running horses are bleeders, but not all of them are going to bleed severe enough to actually have blood coming out of their nostrils, okay? So the classic description of a running horse that has an episode that actually has a bleeding episode is the rider saying, you know, it's like they just hit a wall. They stopped running and they had absolutely nothing left to give, okay? I mean, that sounds eerily similar to what this particular owner said when she was describing her horse. So the fact that this mare is dealing with Lyme disease, okay, which causes chronic inflammation, that would increase the likelihood that she would have a weaker blood gas barrier in the lungs um, because of that inflammation and that inflammatory response, which would then make her more likely to bleed, okay? So, um, again, I'm, I'm not trying to diagnose this horse, so I, I just suggested that she get in touch with her veterinarian um, and have this horse scoped and, um, you know, work closely with her veterinarian to at least rule out the possibility of this horse being a bleeder or confirm it one way or the other. But I think it's definitely a road that would be uh, worth pursuing for this particular horse. Now, on to the nutritional recommendation. So, I guess if, if this were my horse, here is the regimen that um, I would use, okay? So first, let's start with forage. Um, I would actually put this horse on about 10 pounds per day of alfalfa hay. Um, 
Now, the this horse, um, a quarter horse, you know, she's probably around uh, eleven hundred pounds. Uh, was approximately her body weight. So my target is going to be to get 20 pounds of forage into her a day. Okay. So I want 10 of that to be alfalfa. And then I want to balance the other remaining 10 pounds with a good quality grass hay. Okay. So I recommended getting a little alfalfa into the diet. Um, in this case, because, you know, just in case that horse's lack of eagerness um, was maybe due to a drop of calories. So a little bit of backstory that I didn't share with you guys up front. Um, this horse had actually um, in the past been fed alfalfa, uh, but the owner took her off of the alfalfa. The horse had also been on a sweet feed and the owner took her off of the sweet feed. So there's a possibility that, you know, we could just have, you know, a, a calorie deficit going on from what the horse was normally used to um, compared to what the horse is getting now. So, you know, uh, that's why I, I think it's important to try to add that alfalfa back into the diet and see if we can't pick up a little bit of those calories again um, from those changes that had been made. And, you know, since there is the possibility that the mare could be a bleeder. I didn't want her to feed more than 10 pounds or more than half of the roughage component in alfalfa. And the reason for that is I just wanted to be mindful um, of that total crude protein content of the diet. So the next thing that I um, suggested for this particular customer was that uh, she continue feeding the Intensify X Factor low starch as her grain meal or her concentrate meal. Okay, so this is a low starch, low sugar extruded feed. Um, I stuck with this because she had already actually transitioned the horse to this feed and um, had been on it for a period of time and was seeing some really great results as far as the horse's just body condition. And then also in the horse's responsiveness or softness um, throughout the body during the workout. So, you know, we felt like we were making some really good progress there. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, you know, all of the feeds in the Intensify family have uh, that digestive support component built into it and those probiotics built into it. Um, and so X Factor would certainly be no exception. Um, and so I just felt like between the digestive support component, the low starch, the low sugar, um, and then the complete profile of vitamins and minerals, that that was a really good base feed for this particular horse to stay on, um, at least for the time being, as we kind of work through some of these other factors. Now, um, the next thing that I recommended was um, that they get this horse going on a plasma supplement, an oral plasma supplement, um, particularly the one called Lifeline Plus. Um, I recommended that they do this on, feed it on a daily basis at the two scoop per day rate, which is 200 grams. Um, you know, there's, there's a really large body of research um, behind the active ingredient in that product. Uh, you know, plasma is, is very beneficial at supporting the immune system, supporting normal immune function, and then really helping the body um, kind of maintain a healthy or more efficient um, inflammatory response. So again, since this horse is dealing with Lyme disease, uh, the, the, the immune system and that inflammatory response has got to be absolutely top on our list of priorities when it comes to kind of tailoring or fine tuning the diet from the supplement standpoint. So on that note, then, I actually also recommended um, that they run this mare through one round, which is 30 days of the immune health program. Um, the immune health program actually contains uh, the probiotic ADR, which I mentioned earlier. 
Um, and, and that's really going to go in there and help reestablish a healthy microbial population. So sometimes people don't realize this, but 70% of the immune system is actually controlled by the gut. So, I mean, we, we have to pay attention to the gut health uh, for this horse. Okay. It's just, it, there is no other option. Um, and the other thing about the immune health program is it also contains um, a very potent uh, omega-3 anti-inflammatory technology. So specifically from fish oil, um, along with a natural vitamin E and a vitamin C antioxidant uh, support supplement. So all of this is basically going to go in there and play a role in helping boost this horse's immune system and just kind of uh, basically take our best attempt at getting that horse back to functioning um, at an optimum level from an internal standpoint. Now, one thing um, I do want to note, you know, human scientists have actually um, suggested or, or are coming to the conclusion that many Lyme disease patients are also dealing with some level of leaky gut syndrome. And they have found that addressing leaky gut, if the patient has it, is critical to reducing the systemic inflammatory burden. Okay. So while I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm not quite ready to suggest that leaky gut, you know, is something that they're dealing with on this particular horse, but it is something that we need to keep in the back of our mind. Okay. So after 30 days, if we are not making any progress, uh, my next step would be to consider leaky gut as a possible factor that may be preventing this horse from coming around and making the progress that we're wanting to see. So, you know, that's the thing. Not not all horses are going to present or respond the same. And sometimes we just have to use, you know, the certain technologies in the diet um, that we have available to help us, you know, to help guide us down the path and give us clues on what is and isn't working so that we can um, have a better shot at zeroing in on what may be the true root problem um, for each of these cases. So, I think that brings us to a close. Um, you know, if if you are interested in a virtual nutrition consult, again, you know, we offer those free of charge. Just visit the Blue Bonnet Feeds website, or you can shoot us a message on the Blue Bonnet Feeds Facebook page. Okay, we've got a team there that um, is very responsive and very good. We've got technical specialists that are available to um, answer. I mean, I feel like they can answer 90% of the questions. Um, they, they do a fantastic job. And then if it's anything that happens to be over their head, then that stuff um, gets forwarded on to me and then I take a stab at it. So uh, if you have a topic or question that you'd like addressed on this podcast, uh, definitely you know feel free to drop us a voice message through your podcast app. I love getting those. <laughs> or you can also shoot us an email at info at acbluebonnet.com. So I appreciate you all listening and please don't forget to go leave us a rating and a review. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.